Hey, this is Russell. Today I have someone I was so excited that I was able to get a hold of from his van in Catalonia, no less. His name is Nate Murphy. He's a rock climber and a YouTuber. He has about 160,000 subscribers to his channel. And it was two of the videos he made that were pretty inspirational for me a few years back about how he decides to spend his time and how he changed his life from the more corporate one he was living in the UK to really doing what he wanted to do with his time, which is climb, travel, create. As you'll hear, Nate, I think, is a very thoughtful guy and a very clear thinker. He, uh, he says that he spends a lot of time thinking about stuff. And one of the things he spends the most time thinking about is exactly this concept of time well spent. Uh, just keep in mind that I did reach him on his phone in his van in Catalonia in Spain. So every once in a while, his voice drops out. But overall, this is a fantastic conversation. I hope you enjoy it. And please share this with your friends on social media or wherever you listen to podcasts. Enjoy. Nate Murphy, welcome to What Really Matters. Thank you for coming on the show. No problem. So tell me where you are right now. Um, so right now I am in Catalonia in Spain, um, where I have bought a house and barn and a bit of land, which I'm basically working on to renovate. I'm trying to do a big reno renovation blitz, basically, and just get it done. Are you filming it like you filmed the 17-day van conversion? So it's going to be a, a video that people can see how to convert a Spanish villa. I think that that could ha that could go viral, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's basically going to be fully recorded. Um, it's yeah, we'll, we'll make like a how to convert a house film, probably towards the same style because nothing like that really exists in terms of full process um, and. Uh, but we'll also probably do a little, little how-to videos and things like that. Um, and I might write a book about it and, and sell that through the content as well. So we'll see. That sounds amazing. Um, I just want to just tell you right off the bat to back up a little. I've been watching your videos on YouTube for probably two years now. And I'm sure that I found you like a lot of people through this dream I had about converting a van and simplifying my life and possibly traveling with my family in it. Uh, but then I saw you were also a rock climber and I've been uh, climbing since I was 18 uh, or so. And that led me to one of your other videos, which uh, just really, I guess it inspired me. And uh, what you talked about it in the video was basically just devoting yourself more fully to how you want to spend your time. And you raised a concept that I had been grappling with a lot in my own life, which is just time well spent. So I was wondering if you could talk to me uh, and to the listeners about where you developed that sense of treating your time as precious and being so deliberate about how you spend it. Um, I think uh, pretty much... Probably from the age of around 20, I didn't know, I started to kind of feel like I wanted to do um, a lot more with my time. And 
I think I've always been in a sort of really mild, like continuous midlife crisis. Is this really what I want to be doing right now? And, you know, as life goes on, you kind of end up in situations where you're trying to think, well, you know, is this kind of enough? Is this right? Um, but maybe you, it's hard to change at that point in time. So you kind of have to like just slog it out. Um, but in general, I kind of generally have this like feeling that I want to make sure that I'm kind of doing enough or doing the things that I want to be doing. Um, and that generally will involve things which means I've got a reasonably, reasonably high degree of autonomy in my life. So mostly I've kind of done my own businesses or been freelance or something like that. Um, sorry, I've, I've kind of lost where the question came from. Uh, which which video are you talking about? The How I Changed My Life one or the Passion Year thing? Actually, both of them. In both of them, you mentioned this concept of time well spent, and I'll link I'll link to both those videos in the notes. So, but in the committing yourself to the passion video, which is the later one, you know, obviously that's very focused on making sure that you're spending your time wisely. But I think I was trying to figure out. Where did this come from? Is it something you read or something you feel like you got from your parents or, you know, in, in another person or inspiration that you had? I don't know. I think uh, I have a general, uh, you know, I have a general distrust of authority and being told what to do. And I think it just comes back to just a feeling like I want to s- not like rebel in a sort of a classic rebellion point of view, but more, I just want like my life to be my own. You know, I don't want to lose my life doing the things that other people want me to do. I don't want to spend my time doing things for other people, which like don't really add value to me or just working to do something that everyone else says you should do, but not necessarily right for me. Um, I, I don't I don't know whether it, it came from like a certain um, inspiration. It's just like a like a visceral feeling of like a dis like dislike of being contained or, or or like a desire not to waste my time or kind of just lose it because you know we we have a kind of like li- in some ways our life is long, but in many ways our life is also very short, uh, especially if you want to do. Um, things which use your body being strong and fit and have endurance and things like that, then that's a, that's a, you know, there's a lifespan on that, which is shorter than your full lifespan. Um, so I think it's just a general desire not to waste time. Yeah, I, I have that exact same desire, but for me, it's something I had to grow into in my, I guess, my sort of middle age. I just, I'm 37 now and I feel very acutely the the passing of time certainly my body is getting a little older i get injured a little more easily that sort of thing but it took me i think many years uh, you know a lot of my adulthood to to come to the same realization that you you seem to have just always been able to have do you do you get judgment on this from friends and family back in the UK? Like, what are you doing with your life? Or do you get mostly just sort of envy? What's the reaction that you have from society at large? Um, generally, uh, so if I meet people who are living a 
like a, a very sort of traditional lifestyle, you know, like work on a good job, have a good career, buy a house, invest in all the, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and they're really detached from a, people with a more um, a nomadic, non-traditional lifestyle. They tend to be quite curious and they're um, gendery, like they will have overtones of sort of judgment, um, but you can expect it so you can roll with it and just kind of shock them a bit more. Um, and, but I mean, from, for family and friends, um, like anyone who's known me for a while will kind of sort of expect that I'll be doing something a little bit different, um, or maybe in a different way. And it doesn't necessarily surprise them. Um, I think if people were to criticize me directly, then there's a risk because they might end up with a debate, um, where, you know, the criticism will be turned around, not, not like in a, in a mean way, but it, it, I find people who would know me might be hesitant of criticizing me in case it, it comes into a debate where it, it's, it highlights the, where their criticism is coming from. And often that won't be from a place of general concern. It's a projection of their own fears or something like this about doing other things or things which are, are different. What do you think those other fears are exactly? Um, I think generally, uh, uh, fear of change, um, fear of failure, fear of um, being judged by other people in the same way that they would judge. Uh, I mean, I think they're probably the main things. I mean, to be honest, I haven't given a vast amount of thought, but I, I do have an interest in, you know, you always have people who are like naysayers or people who will, you don't even know them. I mean, I have lots of videos on YouTube, so you'll have like, you know, hundreds of people criticize you. And it's really interesting sometimes to look at the language they use and you can kind of almost get an understanding of where they're coming from. You know, they'll, they'll criticize you in a certain way, but really what they're just communicating is why they fear to do what you're doing or, um, and anyway, it can be interesting. And, and often if someone is, uh, looking to criticize rather than to understand, um, they're, they're projecting something. Yeah, so in one of the videos, you, you described this sort of flowchart that you made with two axes, and one is one axis is make a difference, and the other axis is high flow versus low flow. Um, so the high flow, low, high flow, low flow, make a difference, doesn't make a difference. Um, this is one of the um, occasions where I've been influenced by a book, because um, to be honest, I don't actually read a vast amount, but Every so often, um, some reason I find a book and I decide to read it. Uh, and this was a book called The Art of Happiness or something like that by um, Matthew Ricard. Uh, and in it, he basically goes through it's a Buddhist angle philosophy on happiness. Um, and part of it, it's saying, you know, if you would spend a lot of time doing things that are high flow, it's conducive to happiness, as well as doing things which you feel are meaningful and make a difference. Now, there's obviously a lot more to it than that, but these were some of my key takeaways. So I'm like, okay, what am I doing in my life and where am I, you know, in terms of spending my time doing things which are high flow or low flow and also make a difference or don't make a difference. Um, and what I've actually done, Russell, is I've made a, a PDF with um, basically the diagram on it and then the actual example I used for three or four years um, and a description for how to use it. So if you want to have that, you can let people download it, I guess, from your site and stuff like that. Because uh, I don't know, I found it a really interesting tool where 
I could basically chart all the things that I'm doing and find out where basically my time is centered. And then I can make positive changes, strategic changes over a few years. And then I can basically see that how that moves over time uh, and, and, and budge that to a better place on the chart, which I, I feel is not spending all your time only doing things that make a difference, but probably somewhere in the middle where you're doing stuff like rock climbing or whatever, which is high flow and doesn't really matter. doesn't have any real stakes to it. Um, like you know, socially or um and then also you're doing things which are impacting people and making a difference and and so i kind of aim to be sort of top and center in that yeah i might just have to start uh using that method for my own life or at least experiment with it for a little bit but um it reminds me a little bit of i'm sure you've heard of ikagi or ikigai i'm not sure i'm saying either one of those things right have you heard of that no no Oh, oh! you should look this up, Ikigai or Ikagi, but it's a method of finding your life's purpose. It's like a giant Venn diagram. One of the circles is what you're good at. One is what you're passionate about. One is what you can get paid for. And one is what the world needs. And that it's a really different way than what you have. And in some ways, it contradicts that, that high flow, low flow, paradigm because i don't know if it's more neoliberal or whatever but i find myself trying to if i follow the ikigai method trying to think of all the things that i'm good at and then trying to think of how i can get paid for them and hopefully some of the things i actually like to do are in that bucket as well mm. but that's almost precisely the method that you're i think you're reacting to yeah. saying like well, that's not necessarily the way you should go about it yeah i mean i i feel like if, if you always draw it back to money um i mean i think if you just say okay you do need to make money but money is not, not the most important thing in life and money is an enabler then with uh like some kind of diagram where you're aiming to do things which are more flow or more make a difference and just eliminate some of the things that are low flow and don't make a difference you can guide your life to somewhere where you're not um, fully focused on how you can have a higher salary or make more money. You're fully focused on how you can do cool things that you find really interesting and perhaps make the difference. And often if you make a difference to people, you add value to people and then you can get some kind of uh, compensation out of it. Um, like the YouTube channel is, you know, we you know, influence people, we teach people how to do things and then we make money. Now, that I never set out to make money on YouTube, um, but that's something that has come by just kind of just following and just doing what I was interested. I'm not a great video editor or filmmaker, but I do. I well, especially at the time, I just wanted to do it. I thought it was enjoyable. I like sharing with people, so I just did that, uh, and then it evolved into something. Everything that would be right for me or you is going to be right for other people, but for me, having something which kind of takes because I, you know, I do. Like my relationship with money is I really hate spending money. Like if I go shopping, then I buy something and I've got this new cool thing, but I just spent money because my money is equated to my freedom. I'm a little, don't have like, like not the hundred percent best relationship with money. I'm quite careful with it. Um, and I, and I, and I do think about it, um, which is probably something I should do less, but yeah. So having a, a framework, which cuts out money, a little bit and money is just a tool to get me to where i want to be then that's a better framework for me you put climbing on high flow which is to say you know really 
you know, it's one of your passions. You love doing it. You feel good doing it, but it's very far away from the making a difference part of the the axis, right? And I deal with that same exact, I guess I'm judging myself because I want to go climbing, you know, pretty much all the time. If I could just do that in my life, I would, would be really happy, but but maybe I'd get to the end of my life and I would feel that I hadn't done enough to make change and make a difference. So how do you think about choosing to spend so much of your life climbing? Is that, is that one of the critiques that has come up? No, that, I mean, actually I put a, um, that video, I pasted onto this British forum um, and there was a lot of uh, criticism from that way, that sort of angle, like, well, you know, you don't contribute anything to society, blah, 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 you know, and, but, uh, <laughs> but they're also ignoring that, you know, this, that period was a four year period of my life and I've done a whole bunch of things before that. Um, but they don't know, but they're just trying to um, attack you. And these guys are attacking because you're saying, Hey, look, you know, if you commit, you can do amazing things. You can like rocket through the grades. You can, you know, do things you can imagine doing before, you know, you can overachieve on all of these imaginary barriers and targets that you might've had in your head for what you could do. Um, and there's these people who are basically attacking because they don't like what you're saying, because you're saying that they could have done it, but for them probably it's too late or they can't imagine you know, making such a, but they still identify very strongly as climbers, but they don't want someone to say, Hey, well, you could have done this and it would have been awesome, but you don't have to commit your whole life to do Like For me, it was like, you know, I was really, really committed for two to three years. The last year I've been a bit more chill, just like on site and just for fun. Um, but then I've always had other projects going for me. Climbing is never going to be enough. It's a high flow activity. I think it's great for your sort of mental health almost. You like, it takes you to an interesting space of personal experimentation where, you know, you're, you one minute you're on the ground chatting to your friends and three or four minutes later or like 10 minutes later, you're like fighting for your life, trying so hard. And there's nothing going of your mind. You're in so much pain and like, you've just got to like keep digging deep and trying and trying and then you fall off and it's all over. Uh, and it's like, might be painful in general. You know, It's not necessarily a lovely experience, but it's like this instant experimentation mode on yourself. Um, and that's good for you. Um, and learning these processes and going through discipline and training and going through suffering to reach other goals, that's good for you training in your mind for everything else you do in your life, as well as what you, you know, as well as in the moment is good. Um, so, I mean, I would never be like, oh, you should only climb. I mean, you do meet people who are soft, only only do climbing and that is entire life. But there's one weakness is when they get injured, then their life falls apart and they're really upset and depressed about it. Um, and I think generally, you know, it's an athletic pursuit um, and it doesn't make a difference in general um it's for you uh and it's maybe it's a shared experience if you're doing some like big adventure with a friend or something but largely it's a, it doesn't make a difference but then you can do other things um which do make a difference hey i'm just curious since you're a climber and i'm a climber uh have you seen uh free solo and or the dawn wall mm-hmm. i've seen them both compare and contrast <laughs> um free solo uh I mean, I'm talking about the activity itself. Um, I was actually in the valley when he did it, but I was still in bed when he did the whole ascent. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it incredible. Uh, the the ability to A, discipline, train, try it, keep going up it, keep going up it, having that long-term goal. He's ha- he had that goal for quite a while um, and then he felt ready and then he committed and, you know, 
you know, a, a route which is scary and difficult. I've been on those pitches. They're not easy and they're skitty. You could like that slab pitch, you know, it just makes you feel sick to say like that. But, you know, and great. I mean, that's his choice, his risk. Um, they even set up the filming so it kind of wouldn't impact some of the uh, cameramen on places where he could fall off. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, fantastic. Um, and Dawn Wall, this is like a, I mean, that's another, that's a different sort of impressive feat because it's just absolute, you know, going to attrition. You know, it's like year after year after year after year working on this dream of a project on this improbable wall and probably finding all these kind of parts of the route and then getting shut down and trying them again uh, just the stamina to continuously go back and keep going and keep trying with the logistics and difficulty and the family life or whatever that's really impressive yeah i found the difference between the films really interesting in that uh, alex honnold Again, you know, so impressive, but in a way that doesn't really feel applicable to my life in any way, because he's such a different kind of person than I am and a different person than most people. Uh, whereas Tommy Caldwell in The Dawnwall, it actually felt directly applicable. He, I don't know why, but I just felt more like what he was doing was something that I could picture doing for myself. And he just seemed like a more... Uh, more, I guess, relatable person to me. Whereas Free Solo was about the emotional journey of everyone around Alex Honnold who didn't really understand why he was doing what he was doing. I think that was interesting. Um, and I think it was, I mean, to, to, to do what Alex is doing, you've pretty much got to have a special type of brain. Uh, I don't think I could train myself to have that mental focus. I mean, I've done some soloing and in reality, I find that I go off the ground. I'm like, yeah, I don't have a rope. Got to really focus. And then like, you know, two minutes later, I'm kind of like being a bit sloppy. Like I've got a rope. I just don't have the, the mental focus to risk my life on it. Um, so I don't really do very much of it. Uh, yeah, I just don't trust myself in the way that Alex can maintain that level of focus. Yeah, it's really impressive. Yeah, for sure. I've never, never free soloed and don't expect I will ever ever do it um so one of the i want to get back to sort of your nomadic lifestyle which i guess if you're following uh the youtube channel seems like is being dialed back a little bit so tell me about why you started looking for this house or is your plan to sort of settle down stop moving around so much has that phase in your life just come to an end or what what is what is the role of that place right now for you in your life? Um, so alongside um, climbing, of like a, usually like a two day or one day off, I've been working on other projects. I have a YouTube channel. Um, I've been doing some art projects. I was making music and doing some other stuff, but it was too much computer time, so I had to drop it. Um, so, but basically now my main projects are um, uh, like a, an art project, which has evolved into a philosophy project. Um, which I'm working with a Serbian academic and also a physicist um, to kind of make it a little bit more academic to, to put it out there. And then also working on um, this art project. And basically, oh, and also I mean, did this um, product, like a climbing product, um, which is made in New Mexico and distributed. Um, and all of these kind of like more hands-on projects, they require um, studio space and workshop. Um, and I've been trying to like cobble together these things that I go and like, oh, I've got some space somewhere and I'll just try and do a load of work, but I can't develop my, um, products or creative 
stuff without um, solid place with student workshop. Um, so basically, I looked at renting an industrial unit, and I couldn't really find a suitable industrial unit in Catalonia in Spain. Um, and there's a bit of red tape about how you license them and things. So I just gave up on that. And then I thought I could rent a, a property, like a you know, like a home. It's not too expensive to have a long-term rental. Um, but then it was like, well, then I'm you know, I'm away most of the year. I don't really want to have a place I'm renting and paying bills for the whole time. Um, so then I thought, well, maybe I could buy a place. But then if you buy a place in this area, it's quite a slow property market. It's not like in, you buy somewhere and it's an instantly releasable asset. So I thought I might as well buy somewhere which has got um, long-term potential, um, which would you know mean that if I had it, then technically in the long term, no matter whatever happened in my life, I would never need more than that. So that's really why I, I, I bought this place. Um, but obviously I bought it and it's a bit of a state of disrepair. It hasn't been renovated for 50 years. The roof needs replacing and the barn is, you know, that's a future project. So it was essentially in my mind, it's like, okay, all right, then um, climbing is going to be a little bit on hold. Um, I've started a new business as well. So it's like too many things. Um, and to be honest, after four years of nonstop climbing, I feel kind of quite relaxed to have a bit of a, like a break to do other things or focus on other things. So I'm hoping to like pretty much sort the house out in six months and then probably hit the road again for a bit. But I would imagine spend at least six months a year sort of more nomadic and six months a year here focusing, creating. Um, so I guess um, I will be sort of semi-settled status, but um, I, I still want to travel and there's still a lot of places I haven't been. And I do enjoy it and I enjoy meeting people uh, and I enjoy the sort of inspiration and things that it brings me. So I, I have a master's in philosophy. I'm a big philosophy nerd. So uh, I can't let that that offhand comment slide. What What is the philosophy project that you're working on? Um, it started off basically looking at um, ideas and ideology. And I was looking at how ideas and ideologies manifest and how you have these big abstract ideas like, you know, God exists. Um, and how that changed, like, you know, so in the UK, we used to be very religious. Um, and now we're really not very religious and how did that change um like no one's answered the big question god exists or does god not exist but really what's happened is there's these sub ideas underneath a big abstract concept which connects you to the cultural identity and if those sub ideas are debased like the moral authority of the church and things like that then the cultural identity is able to move on and then no one cares about the big question anymore it's irrelevant you don't have to argue about god exists you just have to argue about the things that connect the abstract to you know people and how they feel and the cultural identity so it's a project to do with that looking at change of ideas and ideology um and we've got a load of sort of different case studies using data spread over time like climate change denial religion um yeah a bunch of things like that so we're basically working on a paper then i want to make a practical book um and then i want to send that practical book out to people who i want to influence with a framework for how they can examine ideology and use it to instill change Wow. So if you uh, managed to pull all that off, that would be all the way over on the right side of your make a difference uh, axis. I think the whole world is trying to figure out the answers to those questions. So, <laughs> how did you get onto that? <laughs> I mean, it's it's an interesting one. Um, I've never really done like an academic paper before. So that's why I brought on um, the subbing guy um, to basically help me write it in a way which is like would stand up to some critical analysis rather than like I've got some theories and here's some loosely kind of based as facts come around it so he's adding some kind of thorough thinking to it and I'm focusing on um, the structure of how we put it together um, we're not going to put it through peer review because 
that just take like two years or something. And I just, I want, I'm more interested in the practical application and putting it out there. And based on uh, my analysis and theories of the life cycle ideas, um, if I want to influence, um, then basically I have to disseminate those ideas to people who um, would be interested in them and we'd be able to talk about them. So it's, you know, it's a big experiment. It will probably never make any money in any way. It'll probably cost me two or three thousand pounds or something. But um, like these things to me, it's like important. If you have a cool idea, um, I, I just basically can't not do it. So I'll just do it. And then now I'll just like set in a framework, um, get the people involved I need to be involved with, um, and put some money and some skin on the line. So it just, they, they're driving and they're, it's coming forwards. And then basically that progresses while my house is being built, while I work on another business and YouTube channel progresses. So it's like, right, it's firing on all cylinders, but then eventually all of these little things will cross the line and it'll be really cool. And it doesn't matter if they're successful or not. I'm not, you know, the success is delivering it. And if something more comes from it after that, that's fantastic but it's not important to you know, have something come back. It's just about just throwing something out there and just seeing what happens. Yeah, the, the way you just described that, it reminds me of sort of an approach to choosing how to spend my time that I used to you know, believe in. I'm not sure I do anymore, though. I used to just say, oh, I'm throwing a bunch of stuff up on the board and I'm seeing what sticks because I would, I would get involved in a lot of projects and some of them would go all the way through. Like I, I wrote and directed a feature film that went all the way through. But a lot of other projects just fall off by the wayside. And pe- people will look at me from the outside and they go, what are you doing, Russell? You got too many things going on. And I say, well, I'm throwing stuff up on the board and I'm seeing what sticks. But now I, I think I'm starting to question that a little bit. And I I pull back sometimes and I try to decide, well, that's like two scatter shot. What I need to do is go back to first principles, <laughs> try to do a little bit of what you were talking about in your video, which is to say, disentangle the things that I've been socialized to do by society around me uh, from the things that I'm truly passionate about. Maybe you could talk about how you do that, how you pick the things that you, you want to, to hit full on. I, I, I completely agree, actually, with what you're saying. Um, the way I look at it is um, for if it's like a business-based thing and you want it to succeed. Like I did the climbing product. I just wanted to do it and I had time on my hands. So I'm like, it will be fun to manufacture products and distribute it. You know, job done. Um, but for other businesses, I basically my and, – and potentially other things, it comes down to uh, assessment of market research. Um, when I was younger, I would just – you know, fly into things without enough market research and do the d- diligence. And I think on that aspect, um, you can kind of look at a lot of projects like that. You can just say, okay, this is a project that I want to do. And, you know, what is the value? Has someone else done it already? What, you know, you, you can really drill down and or within yourself. Is this something I'm happy with? Will it, will it make a difference to people? Will that be interesting enough for me, like, you know, in a year's time? Um, do I have a strategy to extract myself of it when I'm bored? Um, or have other people run things which you're not so good at. Um, so I think it's a, um, with projects now, um, especially business ones, I've got a slightly different mentality than I did when I was, say, 25, where it was like, I want to build a business and I'm going to like run it. Now, in my mind, I'm like, well, what I'm better off doing is getting a business going, even you know, 
I could raise some money probably quite easily, but I could get the business going and then bring people who, in who are really good to run it. Then I step back and I have time to do my other stuff. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I'm thinking, but you, you're totally right. You have to be very careful about what you spend your time on, what you focus and you don't get into things that actually you're not that interested in, but you have a momentarily, you know, Oh, I can do this. And, and maybe it's good just to follow it, but then it's like how far you commit to that. And before you start to question, and, and decide okay maybe this isn't as important as my other things um this art project um, probably sounds like crazy to a lot of people um but i started off doing like a load of work into looking at socialization um and then it split off into this um things like what is the point in that and what is the point so i had to like go really back to the basics to understand why i was doing it why it's important and that's why ideas and ideology um philosophy came from so it's like once i've done that then i can go back and go back to the creation sort of thing um so it's still one one theme um but it's just sort of diverged um because i thought of things which i thought were really interesting to what extent do you plan for the future or set strategic goals and if you do that how far into the future do you plan is it is it one year five years do you do you not do that at all or is that not part of your process I think it highly depends on what phase of life I am in and what I'm doing. Um, to be honest, right now, I couldn't uh, really tell you what I'll be doing in three years' time. Um, anything could happen in that period, especially when you have these like curveball projects, like this new business I'm working on, or this philosophy thing, or you know, it, it's a little bit, you know, who knows? And it's cool. I really like having that sort of like I have no idea what will be happening in three years' time. Three years ago, I would have no idea um, that I'd be running a YouTube channel. Um, I'd have uh, a member of staff who does all the filming and the editing. Um, and I would, yeah, I wouldn't imagine that I'd be doing what I'm doing now in three years ago and have the sort of freedom I have. Um, but then, you know, when I, I had a job for a couple of years, I moved my team to a, a corporate and it got me out of the responsibility of having a team. Um, and... When I'm in that, then I'm like, well, I know exactly how much I'm earning. I know exactly how long I said I'd work for them. So I know exactly when I'm leaving. I know pretty much my plan. So that was super strategic. I had like a graph for my savings and my savings deficit. And I do extra work on the side to boost that. And I know when I had to cut down my costs or whatever. So for me, that was like extremely calculated. And I knew exactly when I was going to leave and exactly how much money I'd have when I'd leave. Um, so in that basis, you know, I can be super strategic and... But right now, it's just a matter of try and run the business, or I'm hiring someone right now for that, run the YouTube channel so that continuously grows, and build a house. Um, and this philosophy thing, it doesn't take up that much time, to be honest. Um, so it's just like, just trying to take things along, and then some stuff will cross the line, the house will cross the line, the philosophy project will cross the line, um, and the business will either sink or swim um and then you know i'll just continue based on that and something else will come up i find it very easy to think of ideas so i'm not worried about <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah you mentioned in in one of the videos you know the possibility of going broke after deciding to i think i think what you said is quest off you know and and you said well so fucking what there will be there will always be someone to to give you money in exchange for labor and I think it's been two years since you said that. What is your relationship to money and to, you know, the sort of market system that we're based in? And I say this coming from the U.S., which has just gone 
all in on brutal market capitalism to the expense of all other values in society. What is what would what would you say your relationship to that system is? Hmm. Um. I mean, I, 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 I'm not someone who'd be like, "Oh, down with capitalism and whatever." Um. I'm, I'm, and, and I'm, but I'm definitely not kind of neoliberal, hardcore liberalist in that way either. I mean, I'm, um, probably sort of center left in a political orientation, um, with a general desire that you know poor people should be looked after, um, and you know, you shouldn't just leave people to starve on the streets and, you know, you should have labor protections and things like that. So um, my relation to it, I mean, I, I you know, I, I have come from um, a background of doing business on my own businesses. I like the idea that you can create, you know, cool things and make a business that could grow massive if you were lucky or you made it work right. Um, and, and I think it's fantastic. I mean, but for me, it's just about how I do it. It's about that process. Um, so, you know, if I made a big business which was doing something which just basically you know trashed the planet or made you know people in a worse position than before they interacted with you say like you know loan companies or whatever um then that would be a bad way to make your money because you know you're you're making money out of other people's pain um or you're destroying things and and, and that's you know so yeah it's about the process and and how you get there i think which is important um I I find a sort of um, reluctance to give advice, especially online, but you've given lots of advice online. And I'm wondering, you know, it's inspirational in a lot of cases. Is there anything you look back on and you think to yourself, oh, that was total rubbish. I shouldn't have said that. Or, you know, I've completely changed my view or, you know, I think I was, I was just, you know, I was just wrong. I mean, like, actually, that how my how I changed my life video I wasn't gonna publish it I was gonna redo it but um I just like to I think there wasn't like a I think I just scheduled it to a year of the future and then just forgot about it <laughs> it went live without me knowing I'm like oh you know there's parts of that I would, probably wouldn't have published um but you know to be honest I think it's like well you, you can kind of edit yourself right you can try and make yourself look like sort of perfect and blah 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 but you're not and everyone knows it so you might as well roll with your mistakes you know I failed at loads of things it doesn't matter you know I can say what I think right now and next week or next year I might have another opinion that's what people do um because you know if, if you're not um learning and changing some views in some aspects then uh then then you're, you're not progressing in some way uh yeah i mean like to be honest i we've just i've just been the last week i've been recording pretty much one speaking advice video every day and it's not I, maybe it's a little bit less advice but it's more of like a rant from my perspective and it's totally fine for me to say this is what i think like people don't have to take that and if someone gives me advice 10 people give, give me advice and only one of them i might find a little bit relevant you know or you know because it's everyone's just talking from their perspective but if you can take in a whole bunch of perspectives from different people then you're able to better make decisions or think about things a different way um and i've generally find that uh when i've put ideas and thoughts out there um it, they chime with a certain person um and it adds a lot of value to them and therefore it makes it worth doing um because i, I don't think maybe like not necessarily my ideas are better or whatever than other people but I do think quite a lot about stuff. Um, and I do tend to have a, like a, 
I don't know, like a, a sort of fire against certain things, um, you know, like wasting your life or just, you know, spending it doing things you don't want to do. And I kind of like, even if you just like imbue a little bit of that into other people and it kind of brings some positive change in their life, then it's kind of worth it. Um, but like, interestingly, you were saying about the rules for how you follow your life earlier. Um, and the video we'll be having coming out soon is basically uh, a general thought which I've been having and sort of using. Uh, and it's basically following interesting above basically everything else as, as a rule. Because if you, you know, if you're on your deathbed and you look back and you think, oh, what did I do with my life? Oh, I just did loads of really interesting things. And we're not talking about like loose interesting, but, you know, like properly interesting. Because not everyone's got like a deep passion either, but they're never going to find that deep passion unless they make space to pursue the interests and like a little piece of string of interest. And at the end of it, there might be a big passion. Um so yeah, so it's kind of, that's one thing I tend to be focusing on. And it, and it also is quite a good one because if you're following and chasing or like working towards only doing really interesting things with your time, then it cuts money out of the equation. No longer do you have to think, oh, you know, I would do that, but actually, um, you know, I could make more money doing this because you, this money is irrelevant. You've got to just follow what's interesting. And if you spend your time doing deeply interesting things, um, it's hard to see how you'd have regret. Um, at the end of your life well Nate uh, your videos and your online advice has certainly made a very positive uh, impact on how I think through my life and my decisions and I definitely encourage everyone to go watch your videos and keep an eye out for whatever it is you're putting out next so thank you for coming on the show no problem